Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Chapter 24 of Indiscretions of Archie by P.G. Woodhouse. Read by Mark Nelson. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, visit... LibriVox.org Indiscretions of Archie Chapter 24 The Melting of Mr. Connolly The main dining-room of the Hotel Cosmopolis is a decorous place. The lighting is artistically dim, and the genuine old tapestries on the walls seem with their medieval calm to discourage any essay in the riotous. Soft-footed waiters shimmer to and fro over thick, expensive carpets to the music of an orchestra which abstains wholly from the noisy modernity of jazz. To Archie, who during the past few days had been privileged to hear Miss Huskisson rehearsing, the place had a sort of brooding quiet, like the ocean just before the arrival of a cyclone. As Lucille had said, Miss Huskisson's voice was loud. It was a powerful organ, and there was no doubt that it would take the cloistered stillness of the Cosmopolis dining-room and stand it on one ear. Almost unconsciously, Archie found himself bracing his muscles and holding his breath, as he had done in France as the approach of the zero-hour, when waiting the first roar of a barrage. He listened mechanically to the conversation of Mr. Blumenthal. The music publisher was talking with some vehemence on the subject of labor. A recent printer's strike had bitten deeply into Mr. Blumenthal's soul. The working man, he considered, was rapidly landing God's country in the soup, and he had twice upset his glass with the vehemence of his gesticulation. He was an energetic right-and-left-hand talker. "'The more you give em, the more they want,' he complained. "'There's no pleasing em. It isn't only in my business. There's your father, Mrs. Moom.' "'Good God! Where?' said Archie, starting. "'I say, take your father's case. He's doing all he knows to get this new hotel of his finished, and what happens?' A man gets fired for loafing on his job, and Connolly calls a strike. And the building operations are held up till the thing's settled. It isn't right. It's a great shame, agreed Lucille. 
I was reading about it in the paper this morning. That man Connolly's a tough guy. You'd think, being a personal friend of your father, he would—I didn't know they were friends. Been friends for years. But a lot of difference that makes. Out come the men just the same. It isn't right. I was saying it wasn't right, repeated Mr. Blumenthal to Archie, for he was a man who liked the attention of every member of his audience. Archie did not reply. He was staring glassily across the room at two men who had just come in. One was a large, stout, square-faced man of commanding personality. The other was Mr. Daniel Brewster. Mr. Blumenthal followed his gaze. "'Why, there is Connolly coming in now!' "'Father!' gasped Lucille. Her eyes met Archie's. Archie took a hasty drink of ice-water. "'This,' he murmured, "'has torn it. "'Archie, you must do something. "'I know. "'But what?' "'What's the trouble?' inquired Mr. Blumenthal, mystified. "'Go over to their table and talk to them,' said Lucille. "'Me?' Archie quivered. "'No. "'I say, old thing, really.' Get them away. How do you mean? I know, cried Lucille, inspired. Father promised that you should be manager of the new hotel when it was built. Well, then this strike affects you just as much as anybody else. You have a perfect right to talk it over with them. Go and ask them to have dinner up in our suite, where you can discuss it quietly. Say that up there they won't be disturbed by the... the music." At this moment, while Archie wavered, hesitating like a diver on the edge of a springboard who is trying to summon up the necessary nerve to project himself into the deep, a bellboy approached the table where the Messieurs Brewster and Connolly had seated themselves. He murmured something in Mr. Brewster's ear, and the proprietor of the Cosmopolis rose and followed him out of the room. "'Quick! Now's your chance!' said Lucille eagerly. Father's been called to the telephone. Hurry! Archie took another drink of ice water to steady his shaking nerve centers, pulled down his waistcoat, straightened his tie, and then, with something of the air of a Roman gladiator entering the arena, tottered across the room. Lucille turned to entertain the perplexed music publisher. The nearer Archie got to Mr. Aloysius Connolly, the less did he like the looks of him. Even at a distance, the labor-leader had had a formidable aspect. Seen close, too, he looked even more uninviting. His face had the appearance of having been carved out of granite, and the eye, which collided with Archie's, as the latter, with an attempt at an ingratiating smile, pulled up a chair and sat down at the table, was hard and frosty. Mr. Connolly gave the impression that he would be a good man to have on your side during a rough-and-tumble fight down on the waterfront, or in some lumber camp, but he did not look chummy. "'Hello, hello, hello,' said Archie. "'Who to devil?' inquired Mr. Connolly. "'Are you?' "'My name's Archibald Moom. "'That's not my fault. "'I'm Jolly Old Brewster's son-in-law. "'Glad to meet you.' "'Glad to meet you,' 
said Archie handsomely. "'Well, good-bye,' said Mr. Connolly. "'Eh? Run along and sell your papers. Your father-in-law and I have business to discuss.' "'Yes, I know. Private,' added Mr. Connolly. "'Oh, but I'm in on this binge, you know. I'm going to be the manager of the new hotel.' "'You?' "'Absolutely.' "'Well, well,' said Mr. Connolly, non-committally. Archie, pleased with the smoothness with which matters had opened, bent forward winsomely. "'I say, you know, it won't do, you know. Absolutely no. Not a bit like it. No, no, far from it. Well, how about it? How do we go? What? Yes? No?' "'What on earth are you talking about?' "'Call it off, old thing.' "'Call what off?' "'This festive old strike.' Not on your hello, then, back again. Mr. Brewster, looming over the table like a thundercloud, regarded Archie with more than his customary hostility. Life was no pleasant thing for the proprietor of the Cosmopolis just now. Once a man starts building hotels, the thing becomes like dram-drinking. Any hitch, any sudden cutting off of the daily dose, has the worst effects and the strike which was holding up the construction of his latest effort had plunged Mr. Brewster into a restless gloom. In addition to having this strike on his hands, he had had to abandon his annual fishing trip just when he had begun to enjoy it, and, as if all this were not enough, here was his son-in-law sitting at his table. Mr. Brewster had a feeling that this was more than man was meant to bear. "'What do you want?' he demanded. "'Hello, old thing,' said Archie. "'Come and join the party.' "'Don't call me old thing.' "'Right-o, old companion, just as you say. "'I say, I was just going to suggest to Mr. Connolly "'that we should all go up to my suite "'and talk this business over quietly.' "'He says he's to manager of your new hotel,' said Mr. Connolly. "'Is that right?' "'I suppose so,' said Mr. Brewster gloomily. "'Then I'm doing you a kindness,' said Mr. Connolly, "'in not letting it be built.' Archie dabbed at his forehead with his handkerchief. The moments were flying, and it began to seem impossible to shift these two men. Mr. Connolly was as firmly settled in his chair as some primeval rock. As for Mr. Brewster, he too had seated himself and was gazing at Archie with a weary repulsion. Mr. Brewster's glance always made Archie feel as though there were soup on his shirt-front. And suddenly, from the orchestra, at the other end of the room, there came a familiar sound. The prelude of Mother's Knee. "'So, you have started a cabaret, then,' said Mr. Connolly, in a satisfied voice. "'I always told you you were behind the times here.' Mr. Brewster jumped. "'Cabaret!' He stared unbelievingly at the white-robed figure which had just mounted the orchestra dais, and then concentrated his gaze on Archie. Archie would not have looked at his father-in-law at this juncture if he had had a free and untrammeled choice. 
but Mr. Brewster's eye drew his with something of the fascination which a snake's has for a rabbit. Mr. Brewster's eye was fiery and intimidating. A basilisk might have gone to him with the advantage for a course of lessons. His gaze went right through Archie, till the latter seemed to feel his back hair curling crisply in the flames.